Hey, good morning, everybody. Nice to see you. Hope you're well. And we have a, a Besura Tova that our, our, one of our sons became a chassan the end of last week. Mazel tov. Shazal the Bayes Ramon Bisro, Ben Yenadayat. And we should all celebrate Simchas. Wonderful family. You know the Gerstenfeld family, Eric and Elaine, so their daughter, Mori, is going to be our daughter-in-law. Okay, so we are on page 57. Page 57. I'm sorry, page 59. Page 59, where it says letter Zion. And this is the last class of this semester. We're not going to make it to the end of the chapter, but I'm going to try and fill in a little bit, you know, from the end so we can at least get the ideas from the end. We'll see where we end up stopping. Letter Zayin. Od sorich l'da'as. It's also necessary to know. Shehineh. Ha-hashkocho ha-elyona b'chol prat me-ha-pratim. Hashem's hashkocho who oversees all things. Mashkachas al-kol ha-nikshar-bo min ha-kodmin u-min ha-mu-uchorin. He looks at things not only as they are in the present, but how they are connected to anything which comes later in the future or anything that became prior, that was prior in the past. And he looks over all things, over any specific detail, as it relates to the entire big picture as well. So it's not just focused on the here and now when Hashem is considering or decreeing, but it's also a consideration and a decree that holds in its mind, Hashem holds in his mind, past and present as well. And he'll explain that in a minute. Relative to all of the interrelationships between all of the details and the big picture as well. So concerning that which is considered, literally yushkaf means to look out over something. I'm using, I'm using the word considered. For every individual, who, one is how things relate to that which came before, the Hainu Ha'avos, meaning, who were his ancestors? Who were those who came before him? Ubamashe Yisachrulo, the Hainu Habanim, and also, who comes after him? Who are his children and his descendants? Umashe Imo, and who is with him right now, in the present tense, the Hainu B'nei Hadur, the people of his generation, O B'nei or his city, O B'nei Ha'chevra, or his particular group of friends, and then in consideration of all of these things, past, present, future, Hashem will then decree a person's role in Avodas Hashem and their specific task. And he'll be given the responsibility of his particular tafkid as he serves Hashem. So God looks at each person and assigns their task, their spiritual task, 
based on all of these considerations. And we're going to skip that parenthesis because he just says something as an aside and go to the next page, page 60, three lines down, right after the parenthesis. Vizet. So, for example, Kihine. Page 63, lines, four lines down. If a person is that Hashem decrees on him stature, right, high standing, or wealth, so his children will be born into wealth. Now, the decree wasn't really on them, it was on him. But the kids are going to be born into that, Mamela. If nothing new happens in terms of this decree for them, his children will also be wealthy and people of stature, but it's, so to speak, indirect. Now, it might be direct also, because Hashem may decree on him and his children that they should all be wealthy. could be that as well. But there could be a direct assignment of Gezerah on one person, and then the indirect is on their children automatically. V'chein lehefech, and of course, the other way around as well. If somebody is, has a decree that they'll be poor, then the children will be poor as well. At least they'll start out that way. Nimsa shalohigiyah ha'osher ha'hu la'osam habanim. So therefore we find that that osher, that will, wealth, only came to those children, Ella mitzad ha'yosam b'nei ha'avos, because they were the children of those particular parents. V'ulam, amitas ho'inyan kahu. The truth is, he says, she'ha'adam zochel levanav, that a person can give over to his children bechamisha devarim five particular things shamanu chachamenu zichronim livracha that are chachamim enumerated. I meant to look that up before I came. This I forgot. I'm sorry. So five things that they give over. Ukavar efshar, and it's possible sheyivoled adam betova that a person could be born into good circumstances. Mitzad heyos aviv kavar muchsakba, because his father already is in good circumstances, as we said. Now he adds a few other scenarios. Ve'efshar gam kain, it's also possible. Shemitzad zechus aviv tagia lo tova bizman min hazmanim. That as a result of zechus avos, at some point in life, a person can, be, can have decreed upon them some type of bracha. So besides the fact that their parent was wealthy and they're born into wealth, that's one thing. Another, another thing is, so this guy is now 35 years old and he's on his own and he's got a family of his own, he's, he has his own thing, but something may come up in his life that Hashem may see fit that a decree of tova will come on him through his father or through his mother. Through his parents. So that can happen too. Olehefech. Or the other way around. Something negative could happen as a result of their parents as well, in a selected way. Umitzad acher, and from another point of view, Efshar sheti pase katsola otovalo. It is possible 
that a person can have decreed upon them to be saved or to have a bracha, on account of their children who will be born to them later in the future. They're not even here yet. So Hashem looks in the future and sees, oh, you know, such and such of husband and wife, three generations from now, they're going to have this outstanding tzaddik, so he's going to give them a bracha based on who's going to come forth from them 100 years from now. Now this uh, concept is mentioned in Sifre Hasidus as well. And we saw it too a little bit differently a couple of years ago that an event that's in the future that, which has not yet happened can affect those people who are in the present before they even get there. And an example of that was Harsinai, Matan Torah. That the, the light of Matan Torah, which had not occurred yet, it's shown all the way back to Avraham Avinu who lived, you know, quite a bit before Matan Torah. So he already was experiencing the ore of Matan Torah before it happened. That's the idea that, you know, these kinds of things in Kedusha are not limited by time and by space. So even though chronologically it hasn't happened yet, but on another level, there are, there are things that are above time and above space, so it's all here at the same time. So here also... And I, I remember there was a beautiful, special yid in Denver named Rabbi Yassel Michel, he has children here in Baltimore, and he was a Holocaust survivor. And, and he once said that he often wonders that perhaps his Hatzalah from the Holocaust was because of the children and grandchildren that he was going to have in the future. He, he used to think about that. It's also possible that due to a person's place, their location, or their chevra, their group of friends, a certain good thing could happen to them, or a bad thing, concerning the good and bad of this world. So maybe he or she does not specifically get this decree, but he's with this group of people, and one or two of them have this decree, so he shares in it also. Incidental, so to speak, it's indirect. It's all bahashkocha, nothing's arbitrary. But he's saying it could happen in this way, that we experience something that's indirect as well as direct, past, present, future. So we all know that Hashem has an infinite mind, and we start to see some of the infinite possibilities and these kind of decrees. It's really awesome to consider all the possibilities. Letter Ches. V'amnam, milvad kozeh. And in addition to that, yesh od inyan acher nimshach, mishnei chelkei ha'anhoga shezacharnu. There's another factor that comes forth from the two realms of hashkacha ha'ishi isva ha'klolis, both individual and communal or national, v'hu, kihine, hishkifa ha'chachma ha'ayona, Hashem looked out upon the world in his wisdom, al kol ma shehoya ro'i sheyimatzei, on everything that was going to exist, l'tikun hamin sheyasa mimenu, in order to reach that state of tikun, of complete, complete shlemus of people, Kibbutz Hashlemim Shezacharnu Lamala, 
that ultimate gathering of Klal Yisrael as a Shlemistika nation in all respects. So many things have to occur in order for that to actualize itself. And Hashem is considering all of the possibilities. So what does he do? L'tikun hamin, sorry, I think I read that already, yeah. So Hashem saw in his wisdom that there's another thing which is fitting and appropriate. It will be within the abilities of some people to help and assist others in this accomplishment of Shlemus. Perush, meaning that it's not absolute, that only one who reaches with his own power and actions, actions El Hashlemus, that only one who absolutely does it by themselves with everything they did, they'll reach Olam Haba, and remember, we said a few paragraphs ago that that is how it works, that you have to earn it on your own. And you, you don't earn it through anybody else. You have to do it on your own. But now the Ramchal is going to qualify this a little bit. So not only what you did, that there'll be nimna bekibutz b'nei olam haba, amongst those who earn olam haba, elagam uhu ma'asav. There could be a person whose deeds are sufficient, that if he is dependent on another, he is leaning on somebody else, who is greater than he, more meritorious than he, that he can get shlemus by leaning on somebody else too. And he'll get into that Kibbutz Hashlemim of Olam Haba. Ela Sheyihiyah B'madrega Tachton. It's a lower level of Olam Haba. Why? Because you didn't fully earn it. And earning it has to be in there. Shehi Madregas Hanitle B'chavero because this level is requiring to lean on somebody else. So after all the Ramchal said about earning it on your own, he said, oh, by the way, you can also get a little from somebody else too. If you lean on a tzaddik, you're supported by a tzaddik, you have connection to tzaddikim, which we all strive to do, so they can all help us. So when we get up there, Hashem might say, well, maybe not on your own, but you had a really nice kesher with such and such tzaddik. You, you had a bracha from him once, you know, you went to see that person. Uh, maybe you helped. Maybe you helped that great person. So, uh, because of your attachment to them, so you can walk in the door. That's a beautiful concept, I think. That idea that you can be leaning on another person in Olam Haba, and I have a feeling <clears throat> that there's going to be a lot of leaning in Olam Haba, because <laughs> who doesn't need somebody else in their life, right? I don't think this is just a few people. So therefore. This person will not be cast aside from Shlemus. Only an individual who cannot even get that enjoyment of Shlemus because of their own deeds, or because of somebody else. They, they're not, they don't even have an attachment to a person who's greater 
and more meritorious. They have nothing. So again, that's the rarest of rare. So the Ramchal says, because of this principle that you can lean on somebody, the Hatzala, so many people, so many more people have earned a chelak meruba in an abundant way. It will affect a lot of people. The Yerubu Yoster HaNehanim. There'll be more of those who are enjoying the presence of the Shechina in Olam Haba. The Ulam HaNehanim Umahanim La'acherim. But those people who are the ones that we're leaning on, right? the tzaddikim that we are leaning on, so A, they've earned it themselves, B, they're helping others to have it, they are the greatest people in Olam Haba, the ones who earn it for themselves and the ones who help somebody else get it as well. They're at the top. And those who have to rely and lean on them, we're meshuba to them. We are connected, we are subordinate to them, and we need them. Now, I also think that this must occur in many, many ways. So you have the tzaddike hadur, right? The greatest people of the generation. You also have the greatest people of all generations. You have Moshe Rabbeinu, the Avos, the Imos, Rabbi Akiva. So these people who all of us are leaning on, top to bottom, we're all leaning on these great men and women. And then they, in addition to what they did in their own lives, they're allowing other people. But let's think about that on a smaller scale too. So anything that we earn ourselves, but, but maybe and one day in our life like we help somebody and as a result of helping them, now they did a mitzvah or they did something important and we're not even aware of it. So they're leaning on us in Olam Haba. We don't even know that yet. But when we get there, we'll find that maybe Bezras Hashem will be in some way amongst those who are helping others have a chilek in Olam Haba. And then that increases greatly our own chilek. Because as he says, there's nothing greater than helping somebody else. So that applies both in our world, as Chesed in our world, and it applies up there as well. And this goes on for many generations because you can help one person and then that when one person helps somebody else, maybe that person becomes a teacher and they help a hundred people and that all goes back to you. Maybe they have lots of kids and grandkids and in some way that goes back to you. So, so many ways that this could happen. It's very encouraging. So, for feeling, well, maybe I didn't quite do my job completely and all of us have a lot of work to do, so we have work to do in that area, but wherever we can help somebody else, that they are, they are leaning on us, not dependent, leaning because of that. That's a great zechus. Yeah, Julie, please. But is this part of the idea of having Arav and Das Sure. Yeah, so it has manifestation in this world, Arav, Das Torah, to be connected to great men and to great women. So it helps us in this world, and it also helps us in the next world as well. Mm-hmm. Okay, now I want to tell you a story. It's one of my favorite stories. We could talk about the story for the rest of the entire class, but I'd rather just tell the story and maybe get a question or two. But here's the story. It's from this beautiful book. It's called The Zayda Ramatullah. 
This is about Rav Mordechai Dov of Hornestaipel, the Hornestaipel Rebbe. This was my Rebbe's great-grandfather. Now, this book is written by Rabbi Dr. Abraham Tversky, who wrote many, many books. This was his great-grandfather as well. And it's a beautiful book. If you ever get a chance to pick it up, a lot of beautiful stories and also a lot of yesodos in Hasidus. So it's Rav Mordechai Dov Tversky, Rav Mordechai Dov of Hornestaipel, Rebbe. He lived in the, from around, I think, 1843 to 1903. I think that's his, uh, his lifespan in, in Hornestaipel, which is in Ukraine. So here's the story. Rav Levi Yitzchak of Bruditschev was fastidious about performing a bris first thing in the morning. So as not to delay the great mitzvah. When his grandson was born, the Bruditschev Rav's grandson, his Hasidim knew that the bris would be performed promptly at sunrise as they were all, and they were all assembled by that hour. Surprisingly, Rav Levi Yitzchak remained in his study. When he failed to appear after several hours, the Hasidim conducted the Shacharis davening without him. Someone peered through the keyhole and saw him in profound meditation. No one dared to disturb him. As the afternoon progressed, his son-in-law knocked on the door, but there was no response. Finally, at four o'clock, Rav Levi Yitzchak emerged and the bris was performed. When it came to naming the infant, the Beduchevarev declared, his name in Yisroel should be Moshe Yehuda Leib. His son-in-law was taken by surprise. It was customary to name a child after a family member, and he could not recall any Moshe Yehuda Leib in their family. Everyone joined in the Sa'uda following the bris. Rav Levi Yitzhak addressed his son-in-law, and he said, You are no doubt wondering why I was so late for the bris and why the name Moshe Yehudalei. When I awoke this morning, I sensed that a terrible darkness had settled upon the world. I then realized that the tzaddik Rav Moshe Yehudalei of Sasev had died and that the world had lost the brightness of his being. I then heard a voice announcing to all the tzaddikim in Gan Eden, come greet the tzaddik Rav Moshe Yehudalev. But he didn't appear. Instead, he had jumped into Gehenna, and he was pacing to and fro. The malachim in Gehenna approached him and ordered him to leave and go to his rightful place in Gan Eden. But Rav Moshe Yehudalev refused. I devoted my entire lifetime to rescuing and redeeming Jews who had been imprisoned in dungeons by the local Paritzim, the feudal lords. I see many thousands of souls imprisoned here in Gehenna. I will not leave here until I have liberated them. The Malachim responded, The mitzvah of Pidyon Shavuim, of redeeming captives, applied only during your stay in the physical world. Now you have passed on. You're no longer obligated to perform mitzvahs. Rav Moshe Yehudalev responded, The Almighty knows that I never did mitzvahs for the sake of reward. I redeemed my fellow Jews from captivity because of my love for them. I will not be able to partake of any bliss in Gan Eden knowing that so many neshamas are suffering here in Gehenna. Either they are released to accompany me to Gan Eden, 
or I remain here to suffer along with them. The Malachim were perplexed. Never before had someone willingly entered Gehenna and refused to leave. They sent a message to the heavenly court for guidance. And the based in Shomala ordered that Ramoshi Yehudaleib must leave Gehenna. Ramoshi Yehudaleib responded, All my life I lived according to the word of Hashem. I will not leave here except by an express command from HaKadosh Baruch Hu himself. I wish to plead my case before him. The heavenly tribunal agreed and invited Ramoshi Yehudaleib to appear before the divine throne, the Kisei HaKavod. Ramoshi Yehudaleib refused to budge. God is everywhere, he said. I will plead my case from here. Ramosh Yudaleb then set forth a heart-rending plea. He said, We know that the Ribbona Shal Olam conducts the world mida kenegen mida, measure for measure. During my lifetime on earth, I zealously performed the mitzvah of Pidyon Shavuyim, redeeming captives. I pray that the master of the universe invoke his principle of mida kenegen mida and empower me to redeem the souls confined here in Gehenna. Hashem decreed that Ramosha Yehuda Leib's argument was just, and he ordered the Malachim to review how many people Ramosha Yehuda Leib had redeemed and to calculate how many of their offspring until the end of time would never have come into the world had they remained in the dungeons in the dungeon for the rest of their lives. The total came to some sixty thousand. Hashem then ruled that Mida Kenegan Mida, Ramosha Yehudaleib, could take 60,000 Nishamas out of Gehenna. Ramosha Yehudaleib went through Gehenna, looking into every nook and cranny for the most forlorn Nishamas that were least likely to be released. And after gathering them together, he led them into Ganadin. The Berdichavarov then continued. I could not tear myself away from observing this great tzaddik and his unparalleled avas Yisroel, and it was only after he had completed his task that I could attend to the bris. I gave the child the name of this great tzaddik that he may one day learn about him and follow in his footsteps. All I can say is, wow. That's a lot in that mindset. Mrs. Fran, please. Was Sasov, S A S S O V, Sasov. I don't know exactly where it is in that region of Eastern Europe, Sasov. Known for his tremendous avas Yisrael and Pinyon Shui. Yes, please, sir. Yes, that's all? <laughs> that's all? <laughs> I have about 25 questions. <laughs> right, thank you, I know. Mm-hmm. To my knowledge, it's the same, because a husband and wife are partners. I mean, true partners. So whatever he does in Torah, that's part of her life. Mamish. That, that's not indirect. That's direct. And it goes both ways. What they're attaining completely affects the other. Now, still, they are two individuals. That your person is never not an individual. 
but their relationship in marriage is so strong, ishtokugufo, those souls are like one. So that's direct, what goes back and forth between them. She will get what he has, meaning in terms of schar, and vice versa. Yeah. He also, we always hear about the learning and the, you know, of a man, but, but what she does, that her thing, he also shares with her. Sure. They're a team. They are truly a team. Yes. So the, the linear plane, the, the dimension that we live in, in the realm of time, is one dimension. That's where Hashem put us. He put us in time and he, took us, and he put us in space. Those are limited places. But there are many alamos simultaneously occurring that are above time and above space, and it's happening as we speak. You know, we're doing our thing in this realm, and whatever is happening in higher alamos above time and space is, is happening at the same time. But the actual, this world mm -hmm. as we understand mm -hmm. it, grandparents and great-parents, is that linear or is there some concept that we can't even understand that there, that it could be that really even that is somehow existing beyond time and space? That's um, not linear? Not, not as far as I know. This dimension of time is linear. Like a person lives through time, there's a certain chronological order to it, so that's in, in that dimension, it works that way, to the best of my knowledge. Yeah. Yes, please. Linda. Yeah. Yeah, so all kinds of questions, yeah. right? So, when a tzaddik takes somebody out of Gehenna, that he accomplishes by doing that what would have otherwise been accomplished by them being there in Gehenna. So he's not taking them out so they'll be chas there. Right, right. I have no idea how that works, right? This is an amazing story. It's like a unique story. I have no idea how that works. But somehow, like just like you have the ability in this world to schlep somebody out of a bad place, a great enough person who jumps into Gehenna willingly, not too many people like that, have the ability to do that there as well. You can schlep somebody out and mama save them. Now, it didn't say they'd be there forever. They said they were the least likely to be redeemed, whatever that means. So he made sure to find the most hopeless cases because that's how he lived his life too, saving people from dungeons. So a lot of questions on how to figure this story out, but the idea that you can rely on another person, on a tzaddik, and that tzaddik helps us to get to higher places. And he didn't even know, you know, the people and the generations who, who he saved. He didn't know who that was, but it all tallied up. And there's so many on him, and he, he got them out. I would imagine that there are other tzaddikim who do great things because we know that Avram Avinu, the Chachamim say, he sits at the Pesach of Gehenna to save Jews from going into Gehenna. He, he sits there. 
So he's Pesach HaOhel Kechom Hayom, by the opening of the tent in the heat of the day. So a little version of that in the next world also. Yes, please. Yes, so his Tfilos elevated Avshalom from Gehenna. He said Bini seven times. Each time he said that, Avshalom went up a level in there. So there is the ability of a person to help somebody else. How that reconciles with their own avoda, and they have to make sure to go through what they need to go through, I don't know how that works. That Linda's question as well. But somehow it does. That one person can do this for somebody else. Yes, please. Yes, and so it's a couple of generations, three or four for Averos, and it's Le'elef Dor, you know, it's for a thousand generations for Zuchus and for Chesed, because like we spoke about, the Koach of Tov is always greater. So it's going to have a stronger enduring effect. The Koach of Ra is limited, it will be for a while, and then, that, then that's it. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think this is a very, very relevant and important concept because it applies in so many ways. And who isn't leaning on somebody else in their life? Everybody is. I mean, so even Moshe Rabbein, right? He was saved, and his sister, Yochavit, is there, like looking out for him to make sure that he's in the right place. Basparo saves Moshe Rabbein, so in a certain respect, He's leaning on her, Moshe Rabbeinu. Rabbi Akiva is leaning on his wife, Rachel, who allowed him to learn Torah for 24 years. Like he's leaning on, and he says it. He says it, Befeirusha. What's mine and what's yours is hers. He says that, Befeirusha. So we're all leaning on each other. Top to bottom. It's like everybody, it's Kal Yisrael. Kaveim Kal Yisrael. Yes, please. Leaning on each other. So the Ra is gone, because we're talking here about Olam Haba, the Kibbutz HaShlemim that the Ramchal refers to, the gathering of all people who are Sholem, that's after Ra is gone. So there's Gehenim, there's Truva, there's Gilgulim, it's all been taken care of. Now all that's left is Tov. At this state, all that's left is Tov, that's Olam Haba. There's no more Ra. So we're a combination of what we have earned, and that is truly important, what we have earned, as he emphasized a couple of times, plus that we lean on somebody else. Yeah. Also, somebody said, don't we hear that you only stay one, one year? A year? A year? Yeah. In yeah. Um, yeah, in, in Gehenna. Gehenna. Yeah, a year is a maximum sentence. So So perhaps those people were there still, you know, for a long time at the end of the year. And they would have a full sentence of the year, perhaps. And because I can't, certainly can't know for sure. And he was helping those people who had the longest sentences or the longest gezeros in, Ge- in Gehenna, perhaps. So what did change? That he, that he pulled them out early. Uh-huh. Anybody. What about anybody? I'm not sure. What, what are you saying? Anybody. 
Yeah. If there's some connection to somebody else, some reason to get out of there, like a tzaddik or a person that helps all of us, it could, could happen, yeah. Yeah, please, sure, Mrs. Fan, please. Yes. The person, just not arbitrary, gets a schuss if right. he wanted or he desired or, or something. Yes. So I, th- I think that the Ramchal, I think that he says that when, when he says at the beginning of this paragraph, Ches, that Hashem saw that there would be, such, that there would be ways that it wouldn't be absolutely dependent on your deeds, but that even a person who by himself, you know, is not quite going to make it, but he can make it by leaning on somebody else. So that means they have something. They have a little something on their own. It's just not quite enough. So there is a zechus there. It's not, it's not empty. And the little bit that they have is enough of a zechus that they can be helped by somebody else. Mira, please, got a question. Um, well, I think you see that with um, a lot of zechus almost. Yes. Yes. Yes, we are. We're, we're over there's the chus by being there, and we, as Rasa Hashem, share in there's the chus. And it's also the same with Shaduchim. If you think of all the things that have to happen along the way to go into making two people get together, it's incredible. Kriyas Yamsuf, right? It's it's hard, like harder than Kriyas Yamsuf. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Esther, please. Most likely, right. Yeah, <laughs> Most likely, right. I'm wondering if I'm making the right thing yeah, here. Yeah. So, in many ways, for us, how this is relevant in living our lives is that we need to let go of those judgments that we make about other people even more so. Because he was rescuing and helping those yeah. who were, who knows what, what who knows? Who knows, right? They may have been Right. And, and, and maybe you wouldn't want to associate with them in this world, but you might want to help them. Exactly. That's what, yeah. Right. Yeah. We might want to help them. Right. They're still worthy, and mm-hmm. still it is very important in Hashem's eyes that we do that. Yeah. There's a statement from the Baal Shem Tov. It's a very challenging statement. He says, Halavai, that I should have as much love for the greatest tzaddik 
as Hashem has for the greatest Russia. It's said instead in the name of the Baal Shem Tov. Yeah. Yes, please, there. Yeah. Yes. Right. That's right. There are different levels of Gehenna. There's Gehenna of heat. There's Gehenna of cold. It's called Aish and Shela, Kerak, different types, different forms, according to what kind of Kapora that person needs. Yeah. Okay, I can't see the clock, so where are we at now? Okay. Okay, so we have a little more time. Okay, we're now we're on page 61, and we are on the second paragraph. And some of you alluded to this idea. In order for there to be a place for this great tikkun of meaning, leaning on somebody else in Olam Haba, Hashem connected all people together, meaning all of Kla Yisrael. As it says, All Jewish people are responsible one for another. That the Chachamim taught us in the Gemara Shvuos. As a result of this, That some are connected to others, they're connected to others, etc., all the way through. And no person stands unto himself. So the Mida Tova is always greater. What's good is always greater than what's bad. If we are responsible one for another in terms of our Averos, all the more so that we can help each other when it comes to our merits. Now he's going to talk about a new concept here. Based on this idea, it is, that a very righteous person may have to suffer. And it will be counted as an atonement for his whole generation. It is necessary that this tzaddik accept these yisurim with love. He can't do it with, with resentment, otherwise it's not going to happen. He has to be on the madrega. He can be makabel yisurim ba'ahava. Sheyizdam nulo l'to'eles doro, those yisurim that come his way for the benefit of his generation. Kamo shehoyim makabel ba'ahava ha'yisurim just as he would accept with love the Yisurim that he has to endure because of his own deeds. He also accepts those that are coming his way for others. And in this, he brings great benefit and tov to this generation who his Yisurim are being mechaper for. And he himself is elevated greatly. That he becomes one at the high levels of Olam Haba, because he's undergoing Yisurim that are not really his per se, but for the sake of others. 
So you might say this sounds an awful lot like another religion, right? Well, first of all, where do you think they got it from? Really, that's where they, they arose out of Judaism. They were Jews. But what's the difference, right? Main difference. This doesn't make you God. And if you're suffering on behalf of somebody else, it doesn't make you God. Right? So they say he is, he is their Lord, he's God. Right? That's what they say. So any of these things, it's a tzaddik. A tzaddik can be mechaper for, for his door. It doesn't make you God. You're not divine, you're a person. So that's one of the crucial differences. Uh, the other more practical ones are that he departed from the ways of Torah completely and he was a, a choteyu sarabim. He sinned and caused others to sin. So on many levels, it's, but even on a philosophical level, this concept that a tzaddik can be mechaper for his door is a Jewish concept, that's where it comes from, and it's a righteous person that can do this. I just want to say one other thing. Now, we can't get the whole next paragraph in, but what he's going to say is this, that there are some people who are so great that they're not only mechaper for their door, but they are mechaper for many, many doros, and even for all of history. So, for example, someone like Rabbi Akiva and the Asura Haruge Malchus, so we bring their zechut. Ramchal doesn't mention them here, but I, I've seen that elsewhere. That we mention them on Yom Kippur, we mention them on Tisha B'av. There's piyutim and, uh, that are about them, because the idea of this, I heard of this from my Rebbe, Rabbi Tversky Zatzal, that what they went through in terms of their death, Al-Kiddush Hashem, that it was a correction for the entire history. It wasn't just for their door. It was a a universal correction of Klai Yisrael that had been outstanding since the Shvatim sold Yosef. It's that big. And what they accomplished was so great, it's this idea on the highest possible scale. So not only for their B'nai Dorem, but also for the entire Jewish people over the course of history. Those would be our greatest people, the ones who are able to accept that upon themselves, Laman Klai Yisrael. Please, Mrs. Frank. Him personally? So look, this I don't know. I don't know that. But the, their religion attributes that to him. That they consider him God. Son of God. They give divine qualities to him. Whether he himself thought he was faithless, I don't know. His disciples, right, they attributed that to him. Yeah. But nonetheless, he was a regardless of what level, if he thought he was God or the Son of God, that I, that I don't know. Yeah, please, Mir. I mean, it, um, it, it says that we're not supposed to, like, the next week, Parsha, the Lord Pasuva, you're not supposed to, like, wander after other um, ideas or thoughts. But the, after World War II, isn't it that Rabbi Mangal, there were a lot of people who purposely went into the gas chambers, and, like, there's incredible stories of singing. Like they, they, he, they were told they were being carbonos for the, um, the for the Jewish people. They were the carbonos, and they were going to rescue um, yeah, the yeah. people. Abu Hanan said mm -hmm. that before yeah. he and his community perished at the hands of the Nazis. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but they were the carbonos. And he went back. I mean, he was here in America, you know, raising money for his yeshiva in Baranovich, Abu Hanan before the war. He could have stayed here. 
and he went back because he said he had to be with his community, had to be with his family, with his people. He wasn't going to be here while they were there. And he ended up being killed, Al-Kiddush Hashem. And he said to them before they were killed by the Nazis that, that, that this is an, an opportunity for them to be Mekadosh Shemaim for Rabbi. That's a great person, you know, in, in the decision that he made and uh, the effect that he had on people like us who think about his Messias Nefesh. Yeah, you're right. He jumped into Gehenim in, in, in his own way, the Gehenim in this world, yeah. Okay, so there was one other idea which I just wanted to say out because we won't have enough time to finish the whole paragraph. That was, that was one, the idea that there are people who are mechaper for all of history. Then the last idea, which is on page 63, I'll just tell you where it is in letter Yud, is where he talks about Gilgulim. And he says here that people are able to be misakin what they, what they were not able to be misakin in one life. When they come back, they can be misakin it in a different life. So we'll just take one paragraph of that, and I think we'll stop on that. It's at the beginning of Yud, on 63. There's another foundational principle regarding this, these matters. Sidra, Hashem in his wisdom decreed and arranged to increase even more so the Hatsala, the ability of a person to be part of Olam Hava, Kamosha Zaharnu. That one Neshama can come into this world many times in many different bodies. And through this, it can be Mesakein one time, that which it ruined in another time. Or to complete that which it did not complete. There's two things. One is maybe a person did something wrong and they didn't fix it in their lifetime. They, they may be sent back to be Mesakein it. That's one. Another possibility, they didn't ruin anything, but they had the ability to do more, and they didn't. So they may be sent back in order to complete their task, to be mashlim their task. So either one. At the end of all of these gilgulim, ladin lavo, in Hashem's judgment in the future, hine hadin aleha, the deen will be upon this person, according to all that it went through every single time it was in this world, and all the circumstances it was in. It's possible that something will happen to a person who has an neshama in themselves, which is a Gilgal, Something will happen to them which has to do with that which occurred in their previous life. So God will put them in circumstances in this new Gilgal that are just the right circumstances to fix up what they did in a different life. So if you ever say to yourself, what in the world am I doing here? This might be your answer, right? <laughs> 
וכפי המצה שינשאין לו יהיה המצה אשר יוטל עליו כמו שזכרנו לאל. And according to that which is given to him, so will be this masa, uh, his responsibility in any given life. Ukavar dino yisparach shema. I'm sorry? He has to be a good gilgal. A person doesn't come back here for, for that. You did good, you're done. You're up there. You don't have no reason to come back. And the shamos do not want to come back here. It's said from Tzadikim that the Shama would rather go to Gehenim than to be come back here in a Gilgal. Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. Well, I know she's going to come back. I mean, Eliyahu's going to come back. That, that's, that's not reliving life again. They're coming back here to help us. They're not coming to go through different tikkunim that they have to make. Ukavar dino yisporach shemom medukdak al kol adam. And Hashem's din is precise for all people. In every respect. In every single detail of our life. That it will never be placed upon a person in the ultimate world of Olam Haba. You will not carry any responsibility that's not yours. It's all exact. But based on what our task was in this world, according to that which Hashem apportioned out to every individual exactly and how we live that life, and according to that, our lives will be judged. Now it concludes by saying that we can see how complex this really is based on all of our Thoughts. It's, it kind of started out kind of easy. You get rewarded in this world if you're a Russia, and the next world if you're a Tzaddik. And then it kind of went from there to many different levels of complexity. So really, only HaKadosh Baruch Hu himself understands this mishpat, and we just get the bare, um, the basics of the yesodos of how it works. Yes, please, Mir. Mm-hmm. So that also will be taken care of. They have to deal with that as well. But all of a sudden, people think, oh, well, how did this? I didn't do this. I didn't want this to happen to me. But it happened to the other person, but it, it was loaded onto that. Yeah, so first of all, whatever that means exactly, I'm not sure, but it is, it, that, that is said. But they did something which created another level of achrayos for Averis for, for their lives. As a result of that Lashon Hara, they put themselves in that situation, so they are responsible. It came their way for a reason. So I think one thing that really comes out of the last part, we can see the greatness of being Malamed Zuchus and Kal Yisrael, and also the greatness of helping our fellow Yid. So have a great summer, a Gazit and Zimmer, and Bezras Hashem, see you hopefully in the fall, if not sooner. All the best. You want to do Derech Hashem again? Okay. The, vo- the votes are loud. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. Thank you. Have a great summer. Thanks, Andrew. Thank you very much. Great. Have a beautiful summer. Because it's in Zimmer. I'm a- Thanks. Will you have access to her email while you're there? My, my wife will. You have okay. her email? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She'll have her. So Fine. Send it. So I'll send yeah. you one. Yeah. Thank, Thank you. Thank you. You lean on the Rebbitson for email. <laughs> Well, for a lot more than that. Why? <laughs> um, why is it so? 
why don't Nishamas want to come back? Because the world is a hard place. Such a struggle. It's a hard place. The world is a hard but place. What about the, you know, the tzitzis are supposed to be tucked in and the, by the kever because they can't do mitzvahs anymore and they long to be able to. Right, but that's still. Even so. <laughs> that, that's once you're here. Like once you're here, you gotta grab every mitzvah that you can. But to, to come back here, like, they don't want to do that. It's too hard. That is hard. <laughs> Okay. That is certainly vindicating, you know, like, oh, yeah, it is, it is hard here. Yeah. <laughs> okay, thank you so much. Thanks, Gil. Thanks for recording the fear, too.